Wednesday night Bible study. For those of you who are new to this, what we do is we'll take a, uh, a book in the Bible. The Bible is made up of many individual books, writings, letters, epistles we call them. Uh, and we go through them one line at a time, reading the whole thing. So as opposed to uh, on a Sunday morning where we'll jump around and, and speak topically about stuff. When we get to this, we try and just take everything one line at a time. So we encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. While we do stick the big Bible in the sky up there on the wall for you to follow along, best that you actually bring your Bible for this one because it'll give you a chance to get a sense of how things are put together. You can read along, you can read ahead, you can jump ahead, you can look back and just put it all into context and see uh, uh, what's there. Now, the book of Acts is probably my favorite book in the Bible. And, And I love this book and, and we're going to have a lot of fun uh, with this and it, what it is is a historical record of what happened in the early church whereas um, you know you get into some of the epistles you know the gospel obviously is telling the story of Jesus the epistles on some of the theology and stuff and how to live and the book of revelations about the end times all these different things uh, when you get to the book of Acts what he's just trying to do is tell you what they did what happened and from that, we can learn a great many things. But uh, it's, it's really quite fabulous to read this thing. And uh, we'll go ahead and jump right into it and get going here. Y'all ready? All right, now this isn't one of those, you know, three chapter books. This is like 26 chapters. <laughs> we'll be in this one for a while. But, uh, uh, and, and by the way, some of it is, uh, um, at times, can get uh, really, really fast. Anyway, we'll get into it. Okay, never mind. Here we go. Book of Acts. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Now, who is this talking? Who knows? Luke. Say, how do you know that it's Luke? This is the same guy who wrote the gospel of Luke. Flip back there. Hang a left. Look at Luke, the first chapter first verse he starts out talking about what's motivating him to to write this gospel out in all its detail he says many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the of the word uh, he doesn't claim to have been an eyewitness but uh it's, it's amazing uh, how he built this thing because it's in such synchronization with the other Gospels. He says, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, O most excellent Theophilus, the same guy, okay, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So if you think about it, that's quite a letter this guy wrote. Luke wrote all this for Theophilus, the book of Luke, which is the Gospel of Luke, fabulous, great detail. Uh, and then back over to Acts. So he's giving them Luke 2, the sequel. Okay? So in my former book, he's talking about the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. He began to write about all these things, okay? Until uh, he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We read about some of that. Uh, If you've been uh, following along uh, on Sunday morning, um, Jesus would appear to these guys. He'd let them actually touch him. He would sit down and eat with them. I mean, you know, uh, and he was, this wasn't just a one day deal. As, As you can read here, it says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke, uh, about the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, Jesus kept popping in and out. Ding, 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 ding. You know, they keep seeing him in different places and talk with him and all kinds of people had seen him. It, this wasn't just, you know, one day, just a couple of guys kind of thing. I mean, he was appearing all over the place, uh, you know, establishing the fact that he was alive and had been risen from the dead. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, uh, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This gift that he talked to them about on several occasions was this idea of the Holy Spirit 
coming into the world. Now, what we're about to see here in the book of Acts really changes everything. I mean, throughout the entire Old Testament, God would show up and do phenomenal things. But generally speaking, it was through like one guy at a time or just a few people at a time. You know, it was a very selective thing. There would be prophets and the Holy Spirit would come out upon the prophet or Moses and the Holy Spirit would come upon Moses or, you know, Elijah and the Holy Spirit would come upon Elijah and they would do all these incredible things. And, and uh, when they came out of Egypt, you know, God was like right there uh, during the day, there would be this pill, this cloud, big pillar of cloud. And then at night it would turn in a big pillar of fire. I mean, it was just amazing. They would see these things, but they couldn't really experience them. They watched from a distance. It was cool. A lot of us think, wow, wouldn't that be cool to you know, have a big thing of fire falling around at night, you know, so you can see where you're going. But I mean, this was amazing stuff, but they could only watch. And they could see how the Holy Spirit would fall on people and do incredible things. And even when Jesus came and John the Baptist was baptizing him, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And he hears this voice, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus uh, went around in the power of the Holy Spirit to do incredible, incredible things. Now, what's about to happen is this spirit of God that would come down and enable people to do things that were just so incredible was about to be splashed on everybody. And no one had ever really realized such a thing could happen before. What's about to happen is the Spirit of God is now about to fall on anybody who puts their hope and their trust in Christ. It wasn't just for a select few anymore. It wasn't just for the holy of holies. It's not just for the pastor or for some ecclesiastical hierarchy. This is for everybody. And this is the amazing thing that we read in the book of Acts of how, uh, you know, not not only was it the apostles, but, you know, there was like nobodies. There's all kinds of people that did amazing things because now the Spirit of God was going everywhere. And it was truly a fascinating thing to watch. And he documents how this all happens. Now, before we get into this, I want to back up to the Gospel of John, which is right there. Gospel of John is just before the book of Acts. But look at, uh, turn back to John the 14th chapter. And I want you to see this promise that Jesus gave to his uh, disciples. Uh, we'll start at John 14 uh, chapter and verse 15. This is where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to these guys. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. He was with them at the time, but he will be in you. And that's the new twist, see. That's what he's promising. This incredible thing is going to be inside of you. He says, I will, uh, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also live. So what he's saying is, first of all, the spirit will come and he will be with you. He'll be, he'll be that counselor in your life and not just around you, but actually inside of you. This is something again that the world had never experienced before. And he's making this promise to his disciples. So that when I leave, the good news is I'm sending this Holy Spirit. This counselor is going to come. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, now look at uh, the next chapter, chapter 15, verse 26. Um, Jesus says, when the counselor comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So now he's saying, so when the Spirit of God comes and will be in you, the Spirit of God is really going to start covering the whole world. And being moving all over the place. And God will start speaking to people. And dealing with people. The spirit himself will testify. But he said you also must testify. So we can't just sit back and say. Well let the Holy Spirit do it. You know. But together with the Holy Spirit. God speaking to people. And you speaking uh, the words of God to people. 
uh, starts affecting people all over the world. Um, chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Actually, all of this is broken up in chapters, but this is one long talk that Jesus was giving. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll see all everything's in red here because he just goes on and on here. Um, so he's, he's this one talk. He just keeps talking to them and keeps coming back to this idea of this Holy Spirit. He says, I tell you the truth in verse 7 of chapter 16. I tell you the truth, for it is for your good that I'm going away. See, they didn't understand that. They didn't want him to go. I mean, would you? I mean, who'd want Jesus to leave? I mean, this is cool. He's there. You can touch him. You can see him. You can feel him. He's doing all kinds of things. But Jesus is trying to convince them, look, the best thing that can happen is for me to get out of here. Because once I go, once I have gone to the cross and paid for the sins of the world, God is going to be able to send the Holy Spirit to all of you. So he says, um, uh, it's, good for, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world, talking about Satan, now stands condemned. So, he says the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. He's going to be this counselor, this friend that will always be with you, never leave you. He will be a testifier, speaking into people's lives all around you, even as you speak into their lives. Which is a great thing. You have to think, whenever you get the opportunity to share your faith with somebody... Uh, you have to understand the Holy Spirit is also dealing with these people. And when you're done, the Spirit of God keeps working. And, and it's a fabulous thing. You know, sometimes you can, you can just say a few words to somebody and you think, well, that was done. Well, a lot of you know, the first time you started hearing about the things of God, man, it was kind of like it kept haunting you. You know what I'm talking about? And it was there, and it was there. What was that? What was that? What was that? That kept opening your eyes and making you feel bad for what you've done. It was the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily what anybody else said to you. Okay? So, a testifier, uh, this convictor. And then, and then finally, uh, in verse 12, right there, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear right now. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking uh, from what is mine and making it known to you. So what he's talking about here is the Holy Spirit is going to be a revealer. Even so much to the point that he can even warn you and speak of you the things that haven't even happened yet. So he's talking about this incredible presence of God. Known as the Holy Spirit is about to splash into the world. And he tells them, don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem. You don't even want to try living this stuff until you get this. Okay? See, because there's this empowering. If you, once you really understand the, the true concept of Christianity, it's not about you doing things. I mean, we have responsibilities that we need to do. You can't just be a slug and a slacker and I'll yell at you if you are. But uh, um, it's about letting him empower you. He gives us the power and the ability to live these things out. The things that we talk about. If you try and live Christianity just on your own strength... <laughs> You'll be very miserable. You'll be very frustrated. Why? Because you can't really do this on your own. Are you catching this? Why are you guys all on drugs tonight? Everybody sitting there just... Is it me? You're all tired? I'm tired, actually. I woke up in Florida this morning, flew to Washington, D.C. to do an interview with CBN, and then came home... Uh, here, and then two hours of my grandson running around like a crazy wild man. <laughs> come on, puppy, come on, puppy, come on, puppy. Playing loud music. It's like... <laughs> so maybe it is me tonight, you know. If you can hang in there with me. Uh, so anyway, so he tells them all this. Don't go anywhere. You're about to be baptized. You know, John came and baptized with water. That's This is the beginning. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Whoa, 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 whoa. So what's the next thing they talk about? Something that has absolutely nothing to do with any of this. Because they don't quite get it. I mean, if they really got it, they'd be asking questions about it like, tell us more. What's going to really happen? What's going to transform? How are our lives going to change? But 
They didn't quite get it. So when they met together, they asked him, well, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to Israel? In other words, you know, blah, 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 yeah, don't leave Jerusalem, yeah, yeah, but uh, are you coming back? I mean, is this it? Because what they were looking for was for him to come as the conquering Messiah. And again, if you read in the Old Testament prophecies, uh, you see two pictures of the Messiah. One is this conquering butt kicker who comes and establishes his kingdom on the earth. That's really the picture they wanted to see the first time. That's why they had a hard time accepting Jesus the first time. They kept wondering what it is. That's why on, the, on, the, on Palm Sunday when we talk about it, they're all saying, Hosanna is the king, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They wanted to make him king, the Bible said. They said, let's go, let's, let's, let's get on with it. This is, this is the thing we're all, we've all been hoping for, right? Uh, but it doesn't, and, and uh, the part that they didn't look at was the, these pictures of this prophecy of Jesus coming to die for the sins of the world. They were less interested in that. They were more interested about getting rid of the Romans who were tormenting them and wanted this kingdom. Well, finally Jesus comes. He, he suffers on the cross. He raises from the dead. All that's cool. And then they say, okay, hey, now? Now are you going to do this? Now are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now are you going to come in and, and be the, the king who, who, who does this? And, uh, and uh, he says to them, he says, look, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, the, the time is coming. Jesus Christ is going to come again, without question. He is going to come back to this earth, and he's going to take over and, and talk about butt kicking. I mean, you know, this time around, it's just... In fact, the Bible says that the, the prophesies of, of the, all the armies of the world are going to try and gather together uh, in Armageddon to fight his return. And, and the Lord's just, I don't know, he's going to lose a laser beam or what. Just, you know, and then they're all dead. And then he comes back and everybody goes, ouch. And, uh, and, and then he sets up his kingdom. And believe it or not, well, believe it or not, you need to believe it. We're going to come back with him. Because <laughs> if you don't believe it, you won't be there and you won't be coming back. So, assuming you believe it, <laughs> we're going to come back with him. And we're going to actually rule and reign. Jesus Christ is actually going to reign on this earth. We're not talking heaven yet. On this earth for a thousand years. And, and, it's, and it's going to be cool. You say, why is he going to do that? Why didn't he just blow the whole thing up? Don't worry, that's coming. <laughs> but why doesn't he just do it right away and just all go to heaven? Because he's going to come and he's going to show and prove that if mankind would have followed the laws of God, there would have been peace on earth. There would have been, and what, what he's going to do is he's going to rule with a rod of iron, the Bible says. And he's going to come down and he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And the Bible says the lion will lay down with the lamb. The curse is going to be lifted. There's going to be peace. People are going to get along. Uh, extended lives. Uh, the Bible says that uh, uh, you're still a baby at 100 years old during this time. I mean, people just, they just live and live and live and live. People aren't dying. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing time. And then after all that's done and he's established his kingdom and proved uh, for all the ages that his way was the right way, then judgment day comes and the whole thing flames up and then we get a new heaven. Anyway. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, so what he's saying to them is this whole idea of me coming back and starting the kingdom. And when all this happens, he said, quite frankly, it's none of your stinking business. That's what he says here. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. So when you hear anybody saying, I think I know, attach idiot to that person. Because they don't know. You know. I don't know how many of y'all were around... Uh, in the 80s, what was the 84 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1984, whatever. Y'all remember that stupidity? Good Lord. People buying that book. What are y'all, crazy? It's not for you to know. But I know, buy my book. And if you bought that book, <laughs> and it always comes back every so often. So I, I'm just, actually, I'm surprised we haven't heard something newer. It's been kind of, we're kind of overdue, don't you think? You know, we're kind of overdue. The wackos are going to come out pretty soon and say, we just discovered Jesus coming back on September 23rd or something, you know. Buy my book. I'll beat you with that book if you buy it. He says, none of your business. He says, but you will receive power when what? The Holy Spirit, he, he tries to point it back to the point here. Boys, you're missing the picture here. This isn't about the kingdom reigning right now as me physically on the earth. It's none of your business. God will take care of all that stuff. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, I don't think they got it. They still didn't quite get it. Well, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? (laughs) Because he just floated away. (laughs) How many times do you see that? Some of these questions these angels ask sometimes. You know, they would show up, just appear in pitch black. All of a sudden they'd show up and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I was fine until you went, don't be afraid. (laughs) Angels, they just got to laugh their butts off. And they get me feel so dumb down there. I go, can I go down the kitchen? And he's like, don't be afraid. Good grief. Why are you looking there? Because this guy just floated away. We don't see that every day. But anyway, so why are you looking at the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. So to the angels, they were saying, what's the deal? Move on. Move on. All right. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, not Judas Iscariot, he was... All right. Well, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his what? Brothers. Now, if you... Not looking for a fight here, okay? Because I know there's there's a big part of Christianity who thinks that Mary never had any other children after uh, Jesus and stuff. And they say these brothers mean his brothers in the Lord and stuff. And I, I really don't think so. I think it's pretty clear uh, that he did have, she did have other children after him. And uh, so uh, his brothers were with Jesus' mom when they were all hanging there. Actually, one of his brother's stepbrothers uh, actually becomes the guy who actually heads the church in Jerusalem, which we'll see a little bit later. So anyway, we'll get there. If you don't think that's what it means, I don't care. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I just, you know, what, what do we read in uh, in uh, Titus? Don't don't get into stupid arguments, right? And now what he said, over, don't have stupid arguments with people. What's the point? Why have stupid arguments with people? I just had somebody send me an email, and I just, uh, I was just like, you know, it never ends. It never ends. I, I don't think this guy's from the church, though. So he better not be. But he. he he sent me, was it 16 pages? 16. 16 pages of why, biblically, Jesus did not really raise on Sunday. It was actually a Tuesday. And it's like, who cares? I mean, honestly, what's the point? I don't care if it was Thursday at 2 o'clock. Oh my goodness, the stupid arguments people have sometimes. And so that's what I just want to have with you. If you want to think it's brothers in the Lord, then fine. I don't care. All right. Then, then in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So now this is more than just the few guys that were there. And he said, so the big, bigger group of believers, these guys had, who had followed Jesus, and uh, after the resurrection, then for 40 days. I mean, this had to be incredibly life-changing. I mean, honestly, we read about it and we, we, we believe without actually seeing him. And the Bible actually says we're more blessed than they were. Because we believe and haven't seen. But still, how cool that had to be. To be talking to Jesus and seeing him and he's appearing and disappearing and all kinds of stuff and floating away in the clouds. Very impressive. <laughs> so, 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 I gotta tell you, that would kind of make my day. So, anyway, they're all gathering together and just kind of hanging there. Why? Because Jesus said, don't go anywhere. 
until the Holy Spirit comes. Well, they, they don't really know what that means, but they're hanging. So they decided to take care of some business. They said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. It's kind of interesting. Now, now they're starting to understand some of these things. In the Old Testament prophecies. Up to this point, Jesus could tell them in plain English or Aramaic, I'm going to Jerusalem and die. And they were shocked when it happened. Okay, well now they're finally getting it. And they're starting to see, and they see in the Old Testament, actually some of the prophecies talking about Jesus being betrayed. So he said, well, you know, we can see in the, in the Old Scriptures that, that David, uh, through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus, he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. This is actually parenthetical. Uh, Luke just kind of brings Theophilus up to date here with what happened. With the, with the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. Uh, there he fell headlong and his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. <laughs> <laughs> that's really gross and I was like why are you telling us this and I was kind of TMI you know what I'm saying so apparently where Jesus, Judas went and hanged himself he took the money he bought this field and then he felt such regret he went out on his field and he hung himself and when he hung himself he, his neck and he bloated and his body burst open and gut spilled out <sighs> So everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. I'll bet it's pretty gross. <laughs> Here are guys, guts spilled out all over the place. So everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, which means field of blood. Okay, anyway, so back to the story. For, Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. What? This one who betrayed the Christ. May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So they're seeing now in the Old Testament prophecies of what they are experiencing and have been experiencing. So their, their minds are starting to open up here. So they just read this verse, okay, let another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So what they're saying is, okay, look. I see in the Old Testament, this guy was going to betray him. And then it says, let somebody else take his place. So now instead of 12 apostles, there's 11 of us. So we need to fill the spot. Fill the slot. Now, it's kind of interesting. Um, there's really no indication here that the Holy Spirit told them to do any of this. Uh, the Holy Spirit really hadn't even come yet. They're kind of winging it and, and making some of this stuff up. Um, there's a lot of people who uh, really think that they kind of jumped the gun in here and that the one who took his place, who would have been the 12th apostle, would have been whom? Paul. Paul. I mean, he's the one who wrote most of the New Testament for crying out loud. We would even be here for, when, for the work that Paul had done. So, uh, But they were sitting there and they're waiting and killing time. So they, they decide to do something really spiritual. And I'm making fun of that because you see what they did in a second here. So they proposed two men. Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice. <laughs> How many names this guy got? What's your name? Joseph Barsabas Justice. That's my first. It's like you, Kabir, man. How many names you got? Four? He doesn't even know there's so many. <laughs> you should hear it sometime. It's like, Hallelujah, And it's like, wow. But anyway. <laughs> so we've got uh, Joseph Barsabas Justice and Matthias. Let's hear it from Matthias. Just has one name. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs, i.e. Right. So they pray, God, show us, and then look what they do. They cast lots. Let's go down to the casino and see who we're going to win here. You know, if it falls on black, it's his brother. If it falls on red, it's him. Spin the ball! So they, 
So they cast lots. I mean, you know, we really shouldn't do stuff like that. Okay? If you're not sure what to do, and you get together and you cast lots to see who draws the shortest straw, probably not the most spiritual approach to things. But again, I think they were kind of killing time. They didn't know what to do. So they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. Thankfully, who had the shorter name. So, and then, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So now they're back to the 12 apostles with Matthias. Again, whether he was really supposed to be the 12th, who knows? I really don't care. But I'm just giving you the kind of the, the overview here of what's going on. So they're kind of struggling along in their limited ability. Why, they, they prayed and said, God, guide us as we draw lots. You know, maybe God answered that for I don't know. It, it here's what's interesting about all of this. It's just telling you what happened. Without really a lot of commentary one way or the other. That'll be my job. Alright. So now, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Uh, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. So it got very loud all of a sudden. Just and they're hearing this incredible violent sound swirling around them and they saw what looked like tongues of fire or flames of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them again wow this is quite the bible study when all of a sudden you hear flames show up on everybody and and then all, all of them were filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they start speaking in languages, languages they had never learned before. And apparently, they were kind of loud. Because, because you know, they obviously didn't know that in church you're not supposed to be loud. Uh, and... And these people got loud. And they're praising God and they're speaking. And he's like, I don't think they knew what was going on. All they know is, wow! And they're like zinging and zapping and, <laughs> woo! What is this? This is cool. And they're praising God. Now it says, now there were, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So they, they'd all come into town for the, for the Pentecost. And when they heard this sound, this big loud, and then all these guys praising God and going nuts. Uh, a crowd came together in bewilderment. What in the world is this? Because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these guys who are speaking Galileans? How is it each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites. Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, whatever. I was doing pretty good there for a while. (laughs) You know, Egypt, I can say that one. And parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans. Isn't that funny? What are you? I'm a Cretan. <laughs> Apparently that wasn't a negative term back then. Uh, <laughs> and Arabs. And he says, and we can hear them all declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So, uh, some people say, well, they, just, they got the tongues so they could preach the gospel. No, 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 no. They weren't preaching anything. They were talking about the wonders of God. They were praising God. And they could all hear them in their own tongue. Everybody could understand bits and pieces of these different guys and all these different languages. Well, what in the world is this? Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And then some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They're all wasted. They're drunk out of their gourds. And they're all blabbering and that's why they're all partying. Hallelujah! Which, by the way, there's some real evidence here that church was kind of a party time. I don't think if everyone sat there going, Oh, 
that a lot of people would have gathered around saying, what is this? I mean, they were like, they thought they were drunk. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> They're all just, woo Praising God and celebrating and who knows what all they were doing. I say, man, these guys are, yee-hee. Well, then Peter, Peter stood up with the 11. Now he's finally a rock. This is the man Jesus saw him. His name was Simon said, I'm changing your name to Peter. It means a rock. Well, at the time, the boy was nothing but jello. Wasn't any rock. Here's the guy in and out, up and down. Lord, I'll be with you to the end. Just a few hours later, someone said, aren't you with him? I never knew him. I don't know who he is. Denied him three times. Wishy-washy Peter. And now finally he becomes this rock because the Holy Spirit comes and enables him to do what he could not do before. So that's what we're talking about, being supernatural, not wacko crazy, but being natural in a super way. God empowering you to do things you could not do on your own. Hallelujah. This is Christianity, man. The Holy Spirit makes it possible. Say, how, how can you do that? How can you live like this? And people ask you that and say, I can't. Not on my own strength. He empowers me by the power of the Holy Spirit to do this stuff. So anyway, Peter gets up and, and raises his voice and addresses the crowd. All right, everybody, come down. Fellow Jews and all of you. Now you have to keep in mind, up to this point, they've been hiding out. So they've been, they were afraid. They were fearful. After Jesus had been crucified, they were all freaking out and hiding and, and you know, had to use secret door knocks and handshakes and everything to get around. Now all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and now he's standing out and they're just proclaiming the gospel. See, it changed them. It changed them. So he said, he raised his voice and said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Peter had obviously never been to Wisconsin. (laughs) Because that wouldn't fly here. What do you mean it's only 9 o'clock? I got no problem with that. He says, no, no, it's not about booze, man. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. This is that. What's the that? Let me read. Now he starts reading from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. We would go back there and read it, but they quote it right here. Saves us time. And this is a prophecy. This is something Joel spoke. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now remember, this is new. Joel spoke of this day coming when anybody could experience the spirit of God. But it was again something they they could only wonder about from a distance. Anybody can get the Holy Spirit. Because again, in the Old Testament, before this came, even up to Jesus, it only came upon selected people. But he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on everybody. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now stop thinking how mind-blowing that is. Up to this time, the only one who would ever prophesy or speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit or have spiritual insights would be prophets. Elijah. Elijah. Moses, all these guys, you know. And now you're saying, our sons and daughters can do that? Are you saying, everybody can have spiritual insights and speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Wow, what in the world is that? He says, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Mostly because we tend to sleep a lot. Even on my servants, both men and (gasps) women. Ah! Women? Hochi Mama! What is he talking about? It's one thing for, you know, the youngins and everybody. But now women can actually be filled with the Spirit of God and have insights into things of God and and be used by God. Whoa. 
I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Whoa. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. These guys, remember, they're all Jews and converts to Judaism. They studied these prophets. They knew of this prophecy that someday, someday there is going to be a gigantic, huge shift in the time-space continuum. Or whatever you want to call it. I watch too much Star Trek. But uh, there's going to be this huge shift. And God's going to pour out a spirit on everybody. I mean, it's kind of like us when we read the book of Revelation. And we think, you know, someday all this stuff's going to happen. And it just seems like so far away. But he says, he says, you guys, what you're watching? What you're watching? This is that! This is that! That he talked about. This prophecy that he's going to pour out his spirit on everybody. And he just did it. Look at all these people. So, ooh, so men of Israel, listen to this. Now, I want you to check this out. As he starts preaching, and you'll see this over and over again in the book of Acts of how these guys preached. They use a strong contrast. They talk about how God treated Jesus and how they treated Jesus. Ooh, contrast. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to do uh, uh, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through Him, as you yourselves know. They all they they'd seen this stuff. They knew of Jesus. Kind of hard not to during this time. I mean, multitudes, tens of thousands of people, everywhere He went, and the miracle. I mean, you, you don't make this stuff up. They had seen it, they experienced, it, and they wouldn't believe it. This man was handed over to you by God. God set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. God anointed him. You hated him. God blessed him as the Messiah. And he did great miracles, incredible works. But you crucified him. But God... Again, you killed him, but back to God. God raised him from the dead. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. David said about him, and he again quotes from the Old Testament. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, but my body will also live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. He's speaking under the Holy Spirit prophesying uh, that this Messiah would never, this body would never see decay. He wouldn't rot. Well, that's exactly what happened. I mean, before his body could decay, God had raised him from the dead. And it keeps quoting from the psalm. You have, made me, uh, you have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, he goes on, he says, I tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. So he wasn't talking about David. He wasn't talking about himself. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. God had told him that the Messiah would come through his seed. Seeing what was ahead then, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That's what this verse is again. He's he's given these guys this huge Bible study of where things are at and what these scriptures meant. And they're all standing there listening to him. So seeing what I said, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact they'd seen him. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Again, quoting from the Old Testament. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. I mean, he he pulled no punches, man. I'm telling you. This guy that you crucified, that God has raised from the dead. He has made him Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, And to the other apostles, brothers, what 
shall we do? What happened? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Now the Spirit of God is there and he is convicting their hearts. This is what Jesus would say. Said what was going to happen. Remember, these are the very same people who saw what Jesus did. Didn't mean anything to them. Jesus would raise people from the dead. He'd go, well, that's pretty cool. I wonder if anybody could do that. Didn't mean anything to them. He'd cast out devils and say, well, I wonder if he's full of the devil. Maybe just the devils casting out other devils. I mean, all the stuff that they just, they saw stuff that you and I would pay big money to see. To experience. Man, I hope they have instant replay in heaven. Because I just want to watch this stuff over and over again. It's, it's going to be cool. They saw all of it and it had no impact on them. They heard with their own eyes the Son of God, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, speak words of truth and life to them. And it had no impact on them. What's different? What just happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. And now these men through wisdom, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the boldness of the Holy Spirit, could speak to these guys, and now the Spirit of God could speak to their hearts, pull off the blinders and go, see! Look where you're at. And when this hit them, they said, oh my goodness, what shall we do? And then Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Hallelujah. That includes us. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, that Holy Spirit stuff, that was, that, was just, that was just for the apostles. No, 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 no. It was for you, for their children, and for all who are afar off. All, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That includes you and me. Whoa. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. And then with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And from that one sermon on that first day, about 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 men. Surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ from that one sermon. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and when we come back next week, we'll pick it up from here because this is fascinating. How they, actually, let's, let's cheat. We'll keep going to chapter 3 here. Uh, where are you going to go? you got no choice. you got to listen to me. <laughs> Here's what happened. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. So these guys were very dedicated. To the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together. And had everything in common. What does that mean? Selling their possessions and good. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These guys weren't just, you know, checking out church once in a while. These guys were so moved and so impacted by this message. They joined themselves together with these guys. And anybody who had any property or money, so they sold whatever they had and brought it together. And they basically had this big communal type relationship going. Uh, But we're going to learn from this. Uh, This is how Christianity started out. Uh, Actually became a little bit of a problem later when Paul, we've read some of these things about Paul talking, you know, you guys need to go get a job, you know, because a lot of them were still slackers like this. One of the reasons they did this is they really thought Jesus was coming back like right now. And indeed, if, you, if we all truly believe that Jesus was going to come back like in the next 30 days, who'd go to work? Who cares? Man, I cash in my IRA. What the heck? You know, let's all get together. Let's all hang out. Let's, you know, so, so, you know, this isn't something, again, uh, that he's telling us we have to do. He's just telling us what happened. And, and I believe that this was because they really, truly felt 
that all of this, Jesus was going to be coming back any day now. And hoo And this will all be over. And that's how he approached it. But then things started changing. And we're going to see the challenges of what happened. They all kind of just hung out in this big happy commune, if you will, uh, until persecution came. Now remember, remember what Jesus told them? He said, you'll be my witness, is, you witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and all over the world. But they weren't doing that. Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Remember that before he went? But they weren't doing that. They're all hanging out at the commune. Until persecution came and they scattered all over the place. You know, I think sometimes the Lord will use us, you know, will swat you on the butt, man. Whack! And all of a sudden you feel highly motivated to move on. And, and that's what happened. We're, we're going to see this fascinating stuff. I love this stuff. Okay. Uh, our ushers can come forward. And uh, we're going to take our uh, Wednesday night offering. Next Wednesday night, we'll pick it up with uh, chapter 3. And we'll just continue through with this. Uh, really fun stuff. By the way, Luke wasn't there for this, just like he wasn't there for, for the gospel stuff. But at some point, you'll see all of a sudden he was there. And... Uh, so some of this he's writing from uh, the, the, the accounts of the day. Some of it was from uh, 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 being part of the team. At one point, when we read about the, uh, uh, for those of you who read the book of Acts, when, when, when he starts talking about the time that he was shipwrecked, and the incredible detail of what happened. He gives us fabulous play-by-play of this storm that they're in. Well, that's probably because Luke was actually on the ship at the time. I mean, the, the more he was involved, the greater the detail gets. And, and it's just fascinating to watch as he recorded all this stuff. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, what we're learning. We thank you, God, that we have access to the same wonderful blessings, the same wonderful, glorious Holy Spirit that they had can be in us as well. Help us to learn of this as we continue in the book of Acts. Uh, to, to open our hearts, our hearts, our eyes, our understanding for that. And uh, Lord, we pray that uh, for those who are giving now, that you would bless these offerings. Help us to use all this money to advance your kingdom, Lord God, in the world. And Lord, not to trust in our own strength. Uh, we need to do what we need to do in terms of supporting your kingdom and, and, and physically doing the responsible things that we need to do as believers. But in the end, Lord, all of this really boils down to you. We ask that you will empower us by your Holy Spirit to help us not just to be natural Christians, but to be super natural Christians. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can pass that out.